The words of the Bible are the very words of God, our creator, speaking to us. They are completely truthful, they are pure, they are powerful, and they are wise and righteous. We should read these words with, the reverence, with reverence and awe and with joy and delight. Through these words, God gives us eternal life and daily nourishes our spiritual lives. When we come to the Bible and we are here to study this word, we're, we're not in an English lit class coming to a classic piece of literature. We are hearing the very words of God, the God who spoke all things into being, sustains all things by the word of his power, all things visible, invisible, animate, inanimate. He is over all. In the incarnate word, the Lord Jesus Christ, all things hold together. This is this word that we hear. Um, and so it, is, it, it puts us in a posture of humility, and that's why I had us read that. And that's the posture we need. We don't stand over this word, you all. We, we submit ourselves under this word. And we need this reminder because as we begin this study of Philippians, um, this short little letter is going to prick our pride, our self-centeredness, our myopic focus on our rights, and privileges. You know, one might think this, by the way, and this is an appropriate title, we, we've, we've titled this study, An Invitation to Joy, and it is. But you would kind of hear that and you might go, this is gonna be really warm and fuzzy. Well, it's not. It's gonna be prickly and difficult and hard to hear. Having warned you, okay, this is what's coming, uh, let me encourage you, because if we accept this Philippians invitation to joy as a habit of the heart, I will assure you of this, uh, you, will, you will have a steadfastness uh, that stands when the world's crumbling around you. You're, you're gonna find yourself truly with an anchor of hope that's anchored in such a way no storm in life can, can pull that anchor out. And you will experience a fullness in the deepest longings of your heart that nothing on the planet can give. Trust me, it's gonna hurt at times, be hard, but this is the invitation to joy because Philippians is going to biblically define the nature of joy and the pathway to joy. And we will submit to that. Now, I'm only gonna cover the first two verses. You can go to Philippians now. I'm, gonna, I'm only gonna cover Philippians chapter one, verses one and two. And you go, well, gosh, I mean, why did I even come to church? <laughs> There's only two verses. Well, there, you know, and I'm even gonna cut it shorter just in, in light of time, but I'll do enough here. In these two verses, there, think of it this way. It's like Paul lays two railroad tracks. 
there are, there are two truths that we, we will gain right out of just these first two verses upon which the whole letter rests. And, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, your whole journey of faith, if you're gonna follow Jesus, uh, then, then, then these two rails must be in place. Remove one or if one's out of whack, I'm telling you, you will struggle in, in your faith. It's so foundational and I'm gonna get to that in just a moment. Now, another reason I'm only covering two verses is because when we study a book of the Bible, as we do, you know, this is, by the way, this will be starting today. We won't finish Philippians until the first of February. Now, we're gonna have four weeks in there for Advent, but it's about 20 weeks that we will study this. We go verse by verse. Um, but when we do that, and this is the way we teach, it's always about the context within which this letter lies. And it's about the context within which these few verses are residing. And so, honestly, before, if we're gonna understand Philippians, we've gotta understand just a smidge, at least, of the background story of the church that received this letter. So with that, I'm actually gonna have you turn to the book of Acts, the book of Acts, just after the Gospel of John, the book of Acts, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 16. Y'all, this is the planting of the church at Philippi. Um, it, it, we're gonna pick up the story in Paul's second missionary journey. So just picture Paul made a journey and he planted churches and encouraged people, came back to Jerusalem, and now he's going on a second trip. He's gonna revisit all these. I'm gonna pick up the story right here in verse 10 of chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, and I'm gonna pick it up in, I'm sorry, after chapter 16, pick it up in verse six. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So they're, they're on the move. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. They're on the move, they're trying to go. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and here we go, and from there to Philippi. So what kind of town is Philippi? Which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia, key phrase, and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we were supposed, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, very, very expensive goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. That is the planting of the church at Philippi. How about this? Under, Rome, under, under the law of Moses, it took 10 men to form a community of faith. Under the gospel of Christ, one woman, one woman in this church is planted. What's the first response of a heart that has come to the gospel and believed in Christ? Would we see it in her? Stay at my house. How about a, 
about the heart of generosity in Lydia. Now, I mentioned the important point, it's a Roman colony. I say that because there's much in this story that, and I'll just come back to it in later times, but the one thing I do wanna say here, it's a Roman colony, which means uh, uh, it's Philippi, a long way from Rome, but all the rules and everything and, and, and protections of Rome are in place in Philippi, civil laws and all, all of those things, uh, exemption from certain taxes. Um, it, it was a place where there was a significant number of um, retired military, quite frankly, uh, and retired officers and soldiers that, that got land when they made it a Roman colony. And I grew up in Clarksville, Tennessee, or at least eighth grade on. And, and I've said this before, but you know, if, if you're around here, you know Clarksville's right by Fort Campbell. My dad retired from Fort Campbell. And you know what's around Clark? You know what's all over Clarksville? Just a boatload of retired, <laughs> retired military people. Why? Because of the benefits of the army base, you see, to these retired military officers. And I wanna say that because this doesn't make the whole of Philippi. It's about 10,000 people in the city, but there's just a significant flavor to Philippi. And one of those flavors comes from this retired military people and it being a Roman colony. And so you got two things going on. You got a group of people in Philippi who are way grateful and loyal to Caesar to Rome, because you know they're way away from there, but we got all this good stuff going on because it's a Roman colony. And if I may put it in our own vernacular here, we got a lot of people here who are extremely patriotic in Philippi to Rome. And it'll, it'll inform us as we see Paul challenging us to joy. Now the rest of chapter 16 in Acts, I'm just gonna hit it just like this really quick because these, these things are important. We'll come back to you later. So, so Paul stays. This church is going, started with Lydia and her family. And, and, and Paul, as they would walk through Philippi, they, they would always pass this, this girl, slave girl, who, who um, would, was a fortune teller. And every time that they walked by her, she would yell to everybody, hey, these guys are men from God who are coming here to tell you how to be saved. Like literally, she yelled it, yelled it, and it bugged Paul. And so Paul one day just says, come out of her, and the demon comes out. Now, she's a slave. Do you know how her owners made their living? her fortune telling. She's no longer a fortune teller. And so they're upset. And this domino effect goes, they get so mad at Paul and Silas, they grab them, they take them to the authorities and say, look, these guys are doing things not the way we Romans do them. Unjustly accused, clothes torn off, beaten with rods, and thrown in jail. There's, there's your church planning course, right? In a sense, in, 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 in a real way. This is how they planted this church. And, and, and so then the jailer, you know, that night, you know, what, what do they do when they get thrown in jail unjustly? Not what I would do. They sing. You know, that's, that'd be Carl in jail, not me, right? You know, Carl would sing. They sing, the earth shakes, the jail doors open, the jailer comes out and says, I'm dead. This will be the biggest jailbreak in Roman history. Take out my sword and get ready, you know, just kill himself. And Paul says, oh, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. There's only one person being set free today. You not all of us prisoners. The guy comes to faith in Christ. His family comes to faith in Christ. It's unbelievable. Now there you have the church at Philippi. <laughs> you know, in that moment, here's this little church, 10 years removed, Paul writes back to that little gathering 10 years later. That's the book of Philippians. Notice the first two verses. Philippians chapter one, verses one and two. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who were at Philippi 
with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a very traditional introduction uh, to a letter. You know, the, the book is a letter. Um, this is how they wrote letters back then. I'm the author, you're the recipients, here's a blessing. So, so this is very, very, very traditional. Um, we do note, I'll note this, that in the time that Paul has been away, no surprise, you notice that church, they were just meeting in a house. I mean, and, and that suddenly there's overseers. Well, that's saint translated elsewhere, elders. It's, it's under a plurality of elders. Uh, there are those who are called deacons, those who serve. So there's some structure and organization. How about that within this little church? And, and I, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, y'all, 25 years ago, this church started like, kind of like that. And, and we sit today in, in, in where we are. Um, I said earlier that he, he gives two truths upon which all of Philippians and all of the Christian life rides and rests upon. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take us into those truths. And, and may I say, um, we will come back to these over and over because th this, is, this is the Christian life. Let's talk about the two things that he mentions. We'll camp there. If you want to um, kind of throw icy water maybe on a warm conversation or create a tremendous amount of awkwardness in a setting, um, bring up the word identity. And, and, and I, mean, I mean it, it's kind of like, ooh, man, we got, now where are, we, where are you going with identity? And uh, th that's kind of in our day. And, and, and what I want you to know is that it's a, it's a very important word identity, who, who am I, you know, who, who are you, who, who's a human being, et cetera. Um, you know, while we, while, while we may kind of, you know, get a little antsy around it, my goodness, it's, it's biblical. May I say from Genesis all the way to Revelation, let me tell you the story of the Bible. God says, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing, this is how I'm doing it, and this is why I'm doing it. That's the story of the Bible. God's identity, who is he? Let me go back through the story of the Bible again. It's this, God telling us who we are, why we're here, what we're to do, and how we're to do it. That's the story of the Bible. Our, our God defining who we, we are. You know, we don't, this is where we go. This is that part I said earlier. We submit to these words of God to define who we are. I can define your identity. It, now I'm gonna say this because some of you online are in there, maybe you're not, maybe you've not put your trust in Christ. May I say it even stronger in the sense of maybe you're not following Christ. And I'm telling you that the Christian life is a life of following Jesus with your whole heart. That's the Christian life. It's not just, oh, I believed. No, it's following Jesus with your whole heart. And, and if you're not following Jesus with your whole heart, then then, then this wouldn't apply to you. But if, you're, if you've trusted, I'll say this, if you've trusted Christ and you, you're a Christian born again, then, then these two words, may I say, define you. It's the two words that Paul uses. He uses it first of he and Timothy and then he speaks to the Philippians. You're a servant and you're a saint. Now, there's other ways we could, you know, you could say, well, I'm a child of God, I'm this. Yes, there's all those things, but all of those things would flow out of this. You're a servant and you're a saint. Is everybody with me? It's like those are the two rails of, of, an, of the identity of one following Jesus. And I wanna just briefly 
you know, unpack those two words for us because the implications are profound. I'm gonna start with servants of Christ Jesus. Now, I totally bumbled this in the first service, so I'm gonna try and get this straight in the first one so we get this clear. Look at verse one. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. The translation there is servants of Christ Jesus. It's the same way in the NIV and some others. Um, the, the, most tra- the, the, the word for servants in Greek is diakonos. That's the word for servant. It's in this, you're in the service of others. And that Greek word diakonos, that's the, ver- that's the word used where it says overseers and deacons, overseers and diakonos. Paul doesn't use diakonos there, and I'm not sure why the ESV chose servants, because the word is doulos, okay? So he says, Paul and Timothy, doulos. That's not translated servant, y'all. It's translated slave. Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. And when I just say that, I know, boy, in, in, in our day, you know, you talk about slavery and we get these images and you, know, you just, it's like, golly, it's just the horrendousness of what slavery has done and produced the slavery and slaves in our own, in our own culture, in our own founding and cultural history, right? It's just like, woo, Lloyd, that word. Well, let me say this, our, um, and, and with a sensitivity to that, that our responsibility as students of the Bible is not to read these words and, and get to the right word, because the right word here is slave, and get to the right word and, and, and hear it and respond to it with a 21st century mindset. See, what do we do when we study our Bible? We go, okay, we, we gotta first, before we ever understand what it means, we gotta, we gotta get in here and go, what did the original audience, the Philip, Lydia, she's still there. The, maybe the slave girl's there. Perhaps the jailer and his family, his kids are 10 years older. What did they hear when Paul said, Paul and Timothy, doulos, of Christ Jesus. Let me tell you what they heard. They heard slave. And what they, the, the emphasis that they heard in that day, and I don't have time to go into all of the cultural you know, slavery in those days, but let me tell you what they heard, what that word communicated to them. It communicated to them, oh, that's someone who's owned by someone else. Now, I know that freaks us out, but that's what it was. So that's what they heard. Do you hear what I'm saying? They, they, they heard Paul's talking about someone who belongs to someone else. That means Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, a slave in that day, how do I say this? They had no life of their own. Their life was subsumed under their master. They had no agenda of their own. I'm telling you, they, that's what a, sl- a slave did, what their master told them to do. Does, do everyone you, you hear that and feel it? That's what they heard, and that's the emphasis that Paul is, is, is giving them. We're slaves of Jesus. When we get to chapter two, verse seven, it's gonna say of Jesus as he emptied himself. You know what it's gonna say about him? He became a guest, not a servant. He became a slave to his father. 
it speaks, I don't know how to, you know, it speaks of allegiance, loyalty. That's the idea that we're, we're getting at. There's just these images, there, I've got images in my mind or whatnot, but let me just say this, if, 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 if we get this correctly. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have no rights. You know, you know, today, I mean, it's just, we just talk about my, no one's gonna tell me, you know, we, have, we think about our personal rights. And um, look, I'm an, I'm an American citizen. I'm glad I'm here. What amazing privileges we have. But here's what Paul's gonna take us to in Philippians. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. That preempts your American citizenry if you're a follower of Jesus. And so when, when we begin to say, my rights, I'm telling you, if you don't know Christ, I get it. But if you know Christ, you, you, you're, you're out of bounds, you've missed it. Have no rights, been bought with a price. Second word is saint. This is uh, agios. It's, it's the word holy. Let me say this. When, when, when he defines, he says, you're all saints. If you're in Christ, you're a saint. Some of us go, gosh, no, I, I didn't act like a saint last night. I didn't even say you act like a saint. I'm saying you are a saint. No, <laughs> act like it. That's about growing in Jesus, you know, acting more and more like a saint. But the idea of holy, set apart, agios is this, um, to all those who have been set apart from, so when you trust Christ, you are removed from a certain sphere of life and you're set unto, so it's being set apart from and it's being set unto something else. You've been set apart from, I'll just make it simple, you've been set apart from you know, evil and all the, you know, the world, the influences of life. You've been, you've been removed from that. No, you're no longer that. And now you are set apart unto, guess what? Service unto your king who has redeemed you, your master, your Lord. So I'm just, you know, if I can maybe simplify it in this way. You are slave and a saint. And you go, mm, they don't go together. <laughs> they don't work. It is a paradox of, of faith. That this is, this is our, this is, this is not what your friends will tell you. This is not what the world will tell you. This is what the, this is what God's word will tell us. You're a slave and a saint. Now here's the crazy paradox of this. And hold this. You are a slave you have no rights because you're a slave to Christ and his agenda and all he wants for you. You have no rights. You're a saint. You have every right of another kingdom. How about that? I have no rights. I have all the rights of the kingdom, the kingdom of God. We, your faith, your life and mine, go on those rails. It's 
fundamental to our journey of faith. Rob and I, throughout our time, we're gonna, we're gonna end our, um, uh, our, our messages. You know, we always talk about you gotta apply the text. You can't just walk out of here and go, that was really interesting. I mean, that's, that's not what we do with the word of God. We come to it, we submit ourselves to it, and we say, if we understand this, and this is what faith would do. This is what it would do. This is what it would act. This is what it would choose. So every week, we're gonna give you an invitation to joy, okay? An invitation to joy. Now, here's what I said, and I said it earlier. It, it's gonna be like, some of you aren't gonna wanna accept the invitation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, here's an invitation to joy, and you're gonna, go, you're gonna read it and go, I don't think I'm gonna go there. <laughs> Y'all can do that without me. Um, but that's, it's an invitation to joy. And here's the invitation to joy today. Would you, I'm gonna put this screen up, and I never like to put yes, no questions, because it's just too easy. But this one's not easy if you answer it honestly. But I'm gonna let you sit with it. Will you choose and trust to live as a slave and saint of Jesus? However you, I mean, yeah, it's yes, no, I guess you can go maybe, or you might say, I gotta think about it. Um, will you? you will, then I trust the Spirit is gonna show you this week, literally, before the day is over. Before the day is over, you're gonna have an opportunity to go, mm. <laughs> I really want, but I'm a slave of Jesus. And you know what I'm saying? You're gonna get that before the day is over. And you may find yourself maybe in a place where, you know what, you, you have to come back and go, that was so not Christ-like. But the truth of the matter is, in Christ, I'm a saint. I'm set apart. Let me invite you to stand together. A morning of song. We're gonna, we're gonna end with song. I'm gonna give you about 30 seconds, truly, to, to ponder that question. How would you answer? How would you answer? Will you trust that you are a slave and saint? is the craziness of the life of faith, y'all. The slave of Christ is set free. See, that, it's, that's the paradox, is that in bondage to Jesus, we're set free. I'll tell you this, if you're not in bondage to Jesus, then you're in bondage to something, and I'll tell you something, you're in bondage. There is no master like Jesus. So we hold that, that paradox. It's, it's, it's Jesus looking at us and going, you wanna live? Yes, I just wanna live, man. Die. <laughs> but I wanna live, Jesus. Die. 
for in dying we live. This is just replete throughout God's word. Father, may we be a people firmly resting as slaves and saints. And may we find there, oh my, oh my, this is what my heart longs for because of who you are, Lord Jesus. Let our voices affirm it. Amen.